from a galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine. And everything in between. This is Legends Look Back. Hello, everyone. It's me, Freddy C. Uh, not Jared this time. Unfortunately, Jared has been attacked by the Krytos virus. Uh, he is the first human. He is subject zero, or patient zero, as they say, for the uh, human transmission of the Krytos virus. You know, it's going to be okay, though. Are we it's sure that okay. Jared's human? You know, Questionable. that's an excellent point. <laughs> are we? He might be a Bothan. He might be a shaved Bothan. Yeah, or maybe he's like whatever whatever Farfalla is, and he's got those those goat hooves. Ooh, true. Uh, oh. We never, you know, most of us don't see the lower half of Jared, so yeah. there's a high, half high Bothan. chance, mm-hmm. high, high chance, because that's you know Farfalla. I could see yep. it. You know, I, I met Jared in real life, but he was wearing pants. Yeah, <laughs> and, there is a decided and, lack of rippling fur, though. I will say. In oh, Jared's yeah. defense, yeah. not I mean, he super does, He does like to run, so maybe it's, you know, because you know, of that inverted true. kneecap thing. You know? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Definitely forgot uh, about that. Thanks for that. Yeah. yeah. So as we, as we uh, you know, hopefully, Jared, get better, please. Get well yes. soon. Uh, and since you're not here, I'm going to ask Rick something. Rick, oh, today's yeah. a special day for you and many people in this world. It, it really is. And I want you to have the honors to tell us what day it is and a couple things about about what it is. Just go. I'm not yes. going to spoil it. All right. So um, today is Disney Plus Day, um, which is actually it is. But it's also Star Trek Day. Woo! Yes! Yeah. So... Um, Super excited about Star Trek Day. Just real quick, I just want to say thank you to Star Trek because there was many sci-fi that came before Star Wars and before Star Trek too. But uh, Star Trek it blazed the path and inspired Vision, and I think George Lucas was a little bit inspired by Star Trek. Uh, probably <laughs> not that much, but it's still a great franchise and there's so many star trek fans and i just want to say you don't have to choose one or the other okay you can like all of the star franchises yeah so it's um, it's true honestly you like what you like uh if you want someone else to like something that they don't want to like i mean i don't know what the deal with that is <laughs> yeah yeah but uh you know it, star trek holds a i would say a very high place in sci-fi because it to me it's it's you know it's got a little bit of fantasy, but it's very sci-fi centric, cool. right? It's it's very realistic in a lot of sense where uh, they would get people to review the script and see if like okay if if this were to happen, what kind of thing would we need, you know? And you know it, it would be some black box canceller of inertia or something, and it's like okay, yeah. all right, I could see it, <laughs> I, right? I where get Star frustrated. Wars, mm-hmm. Star Wars is a different universe. It's it's its own universe. Uh, it is more fantasy, which is what makes Star Wars so Star Warsy, right? You see a lot of fantasy uh, ev- involved in that, uh, yep. and you know there, there's nothing wrong with with liking either one. But yeah, yeah. what was your first uh, what was your first memory of Star Trek, Rick? Um, I remember watching it secondhand with my dad uh, growing up, and uh, didn't know what was going on. 
and actually i think like voyager was one of the shows on air at the time and i couldn't tell it apart from next generation or any of the other shows just mm-hmm. like oh it's all it's all star trek it's all star trek mm-hmm. and uh let's see probably early 2000s i can't remember what year but uh the movie nemesis came out and my dad went and s- went and saw it i think on the premiere and we won a t-shirt like i won a t-shirt and i still have it it's like a it was like an extra large and so as a kid it was like this is useless i'll never wear it but <laughs> it's now it's like s- still yeah yeah exactly but it's still in my closet and it's like it's Aww. like a nemesis crew like Ooh. from the from the film crew and so i was super excited about that That's and precious. Um, i've shared the story before but like I'm actually a fan of the extended universe and Star Wars because I was book thrifting for Star Trek books. And that's the day I discovered that, hmm, there's a whole bunch of adult novels that are for Star Wars, too. I wonder if they're any good. So I, love that. I can thank Star Trek for me being more of a Star Wars fan now. So Cool. That's amazing. Yeah. What about you, Emily? What are your thoughts on, on Star Trek? On Star Trek? Ironically, my husband is more on board with Star Trek than Star Wars, <laughs> which is very strange to me because he is seriously lacking fundamental plot points in Star Wars. Like, we've been over it. I I don't have an extensive whiteboard <laughs> system with which to, like, draw everything out, but I feel like the basic premise is fairly simple, and he doesn't seem able to grasp that. So, But mm. he, he's all about Star Trek. So like we watched awesome. mostly the newer ones. Uh, he he hasn't really like the newer like feature films, like not really the show yeah. quite so much. I watched mm-hmm. a little bit of the show, but it was, I don't know, parts of it didn't age super well. And I wasn't yeah. <laughs> at a point to really like, I don't know, I w- it wasn't a great time for me, but I'm, I'm open to it. I mean, I'm not against it by any means. I feel like it cool. is definitely a launching point into other areas of sci-fi and yeah. fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching Next Generation with with my mom. So you know those those kinds of things, mm-hmm. uh, and I watched it. I, I I would never say I was really into it. To me, it was too adult at the yeah. time, and Star Wars was it. It was like, yeah, yeah, this is the one, <laughs> the one with mm-hmm. the lasers and the blowing up of planets. <laughs> Hello, Jar Jar Binks was so cool. So, so I mean, cool. Seriously Jar-Jar. though, as a eight and nine year old or seven, however old I was when it came out, yeah. I loved Jar Jar Binks. So yeah, like yeah. As a kid, yeah. 100% Star Wars. I got into Star Trek when I was in college, and now that I'm an adult, it's full circle. And yeah. people try to like shame me, and it's like, oh, people you're a being nerd. Jared. And I'm like, we can name not him. people. No, no, no. Not, not Jared, <laughs> but just like people like at church or I know like, oh, my neighbors, whatever. Okay. They're like, wait, you have a Star Wars podcast? What kind of a dork are you? And I'm like, hold up. I don't go to football games or whatever and be like, look at all those lame jocks or whatever. So you can <laughs> I thought like you liked you soccer. Like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's just be nice to people, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. So. That's a great doesn't, idea. Doesn't bother me. I like what I like. Uh, Star Trek, you know, it. it I haven't really revisited it uh, in a while, but uh, I still have some memories uh, of certain characters dying, of course, and... Mm. Sending a message to my sister via a friend link, oh. which was like this. I don't know if you guys know what a friend link was. It's basically like a the first text messaging ever, mm. and it was. Yeah. I don't even know how it worked. Radio, old school radio. Uh, anyway, <laughs> memories. <laughs> mm. That's cool. Uh, well, with that, uh, and in Jared's uh, memory, uh, hopefully the Kratos virus, he gets enough back to and he gets back to his health here. Uh, let's let's get on with the show, shall we? 
Indeed. Let's do it. One more thing I want to say. I just want to say it's a great time to be a sci-fi fan because yeah. all the franchises are getting new shows. Oh yeah. Star Very Wars is getting new stuff. Star Trek, even Stargate, Battlestar Galactica. Well, I don't know about that. Uh well, it's anyway, mainstream Babylon 5. Now. Everything, yeah. So it's and a the great fantasy, kind of sci-fi the fantasy fan. era or genre too, right? Yeah. yeah, Game of Thrones, House Rings of, of Power, and a bunch of other yeah. stuff. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Now we can. Now we, we love, can move on. We love everyone. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Legends Look Back. Partly proud of the pro, pro, see, I didn't rehearse this, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Proudly part of the Utini Podcast Network, a Star Wars books podcast for people who get knocked down, but they get up again. You get knocked down. They get up again. <laughs> because you're never going to keep them down. Because <laughs> we're here to celebrate the rich EU history as well as dive into lesser known Star Wars classics. I'm your host, Freddie C., uh, joined by our legendary guests. Uh, like I said, Jared is not here at this moment. Uh, he has the Kratos virus, if you did not listen to the cold open. Uh, <laughs> but with us today, we have Emily Daybook. Hello, hello. How are um, you doing today, Emily? Oh, I'm doing really well. I went out of town for Labor Day weekend last weekend, and for some reason, all of my jokes fell flat, and it was a very deeply concerning feeling. I don't know if you've experienced something where you're like, yeah, I'm pretty funny. I'm pretty fun. And then like no one laughs at your jokes. I was oh. like, it was an existential crisis. I was like, yeah. who, mm-hmm. who yeah. am I? Like, what, what is my purpose yeah. here? Anyway. I'm supposed to be right. the funny one. I know. Yeah. Oh, I, I've decided, I guess my job is to laugh. My, my role is to laugh at everybody else's jokes, especially Ooh, my husband's. Fair. I like that. Key to a good relationship. Oh, yes. Laughter. Anyway. Yes. Well. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we, we have a, we have a jokester here though. No, we have a jokester here. Yes. And, and I would say if there's one person on this legendary, uh, list of, of co-hosts here, he is the king of dad jokes, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, you 100%. know, I, I would say if, if Emily, I know you're, you're very dad joke centric there. Uh, <laughs> it's not, a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's like eating sushi for some, it's a palate. It's a palate thing, right? Mm. Only certain people understand. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think, Rick? Our our other guest, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> J- King King jokes of all time. Yes, thank you, man. That was a whirlwind of the past thirty seconds. I went from smiling to like crying a little, um, <laughs> because all right. So <laughs> why? Why are you crying? Um. Yeah, wow. We're just going to get into some therapy here real quick. Um, oh, no, are you okay? Emily, I wasn't laughing no, at you. Are you okay? No, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah, you're totally good. Totally okay. Good. You, you were talking about your, your joke's not landing, and I almost like made a joke at you, but then I was like, <laughs> I've been there, and that's really painful, and then it brought back a high school memory <laughs> of oh. when all my friends, uh, friends would um, like pretend to keep count of all my bad jokes, and it really hurt. Guys. Oh, I'm sorry, so, Rick. Yeah. Hey, but it's okay because you guys laugh at my jokes and all that. So we it's do. all good. But uh, I just, man, that was a, a whirlwind. So, but thank mm. you guys for supporting me. <laughs> did did oh, you uh, take man. count of all the teeth you knocked out too? Oh, no, like, no. Yeah. I didn't, didn't knock out any teeth. <laughs> didn't knock out. I should have. But I, I've always made fun of myself. And so I yeah. kind of gave them permission. So, yeah. Well, that's how it goes. You're a good sport, man. You know, violence is not always the answer. But for. The, the the republic they're trying to 
Mm. Uh, what, what are we what are we talking about here today? We're talking about the Kratos trap. That's right. right? Mm. So, uh, what do you what do you think this book read to you guys as? Uh, is this your first time, first of all, or is this your second time? First time for me. Okay. So and this is this. Go ahead, this Rick. Was the, the first for me as well. I wasn't sure if I'd read it or not, but after reading it this time, I was like, "Yeah, definitely the first time." So mm. okay, so definitely multi reread here. It's one of my favorite series. I love uh, X Wing, but the the difference this time around is we lived in a a time of a pretty intense virus. <laughs> mm, yeah. you know we were all in Very quarantine true. a majority of us were in quarantine for a while and uh uh you know it, it was a time of of old reads and uh getting back into into legends which is that's that's kind of where where jared and i came to it's like okay well going back to the old stuff right look going back to the memories the star trek memories the you Ooh. know getting getting made fun of your friends and knocking their teeth out memories come on <laughs> Uh, who doesn't have one of those coming into memories of this book for me it it reads very differently Mm. it It really does it completely changes the tone of the whole book because we basically like lived a less violent virus but like for a while the same fear Mm. of misinformation and no one knew what was going on or what would help and we were I mean, the same like the fear and the desperation I definitely identify with in a new level yeah. after like COVID-19. So, mm-hmm. and in Rick, you know, that was kind of a weird segue because I'm not quite into the main show yet. But that that's like the, the thing about comedy is, uh, you know, it, it seems to be needed at a time when there's a lot of darkness. And, and mm. uh, you know, if there is a lot of darkness, uh, it. It penetrates, you know, the darkness just a bit. So, Emily, don't lose faith. I bet you you still got it. You're probably going to make some on the yes. show. <laughs> yes. I hope so, man. I'm like lost. I'm like, what? Hey. It's all good. <laughs> it's all right. Sorry. Right. A couple we, we of dad jokes from Rick. I'll, I'll perk right back up. Rick and I yeah. crack each other up behind the scenes. Like, like yeah. Jared and Freddie, you guys have like the main show going, and Rick and I have like this like understream going where we're just like <laughs> laughing at each other's little one liners. Anyway. Yeah, sometimes I send Freddie dirty jokes that I hear in my head. <laughs> really? So he sent we send each other a lot of jokes, that. like yeah. like the moist the moist joke. Uh, oh my god, that one landed really well. Yeah. <laughs> we, hopefully, you have that clip again so we can play it. <laughs> uh, since uh, since Jared is not oh, here, man. you know it, it's uh it's different taking the reins. So whatever whatever it takes, we're gonna we're gonna get to it. So let's get into the main show here. Mm. Uh, one of the big questions after after going through this this thing that we did, it was a global lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody was was locking down governments all over the place, and there's still governments today that are doing the same thing, and and it's kind of intense in some sp- in some aspects. Uh, but we didn't experience anything like the Kratos trap. Oh, you know, no. the Kratos trap is uh, affects a certain. A certain, or you know, it it affects aliens basically, not humans. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird. Or other species other than human. There you go. That's probably more accurate. Uh, other species and and you know, it it's incredibly violent. I think. Let's see. Uh, Rick, Emily, one of you 
describe what it's like, what the what the book describes the Kratos virus as, because it's pretty intense. Oh. Yeah, well, so it starts off with like sores, right? I think so. And then it eventually like turns you crazy with pain. I'm pretty sure it activates all of your nerve cells, like your pain receptors. And then you turn into jelly, like it liquefies you. Ugh. It kind of reminds Thanks. me of like, you know, in the Stranger Things, like season, was it season two? I don't remember, but it like this like jelly creature of like, Mm-hmm. dissolved bodies that's kind of what came to mind like what the Kratos virus does to a non-human hmm. i don't know yeah. that was like a pretty gross like gross picture i didn't have anything else in my head so like that's what my brain supplied to me is like the visual for mm-hmm. what this is but uh-huh. it's a horrifying disease i mean rick yeah, what was yeah. your what were your takeaways like what did, was that about what it was i think so i think that there's like organ failure like systemic everything yeah. just you just die. Shuts down, um, yeah. But as you're talking, my image of Jelly Person is yeah. one of the early X-Men movies uh, where the guy gets that mutant gene, like the senator who's anti-mutants. And he gets oh, that yeah, mutant yeah. Gene <laughs> and then turns into like water and like breaks. Uh, yeah. That was terrible. <laughs> That's... That's... <laughs> I don't know why we're laughing. It's, <laughs> it's a horrifying <laughs> disease. Yeah. Thank goodness it is fictional. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I have the same kind of thought there. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I had the same thought. It's kind of just like a degrading and then melting. You know, I'm thinking like a sci-fi sci-fi version of just like dis. Gel- I'm not even sure what the word is. Water uh, gelatinizing, <laughs> gelatinizing. <laughs> you know, just kind of like a blurb, and and it just it's putrid, etc. Uh. Yeah, it's not a very nice thing, and and I wonder, you know, if if our virus was as bad as it was, would mm-hmm. how things would go, right? And I hope it would go the way this book went, which was let's take it seriously. Everyone's gonna everyone's gonna comply <laughs> yeah. with the rules because it's pretty intense. But then you have a contingent, right? So why was the the Kratos plot so effective? Well, it's a big big question. Um. Okay, okay, it was evil. Like this is yeah. mad to yeah. unleash a virus on a population. Um, Gen- no matter genocide. canon, yeah, genocide exactly. Mm-hmm. Whether even canon or legends, both have had genocidal post-emperor empire stories, and that's probably pretty accurate. If there was a super powerful maniacal empire who had magical powers, who if he couldn't have power, nobody could kind of thought, you know, burn it down. So um, it's a, I guess, realistic, um, you know, thought process, but it's, it's pretty effective. Um, Like I've said before, um, this book and this kind of story arc kind of threw me for a loop because I expect these books to be about X-wing pilots in the cockpit blowing stuff up. Uh, and, and this story in particular, you can't fight a virus by blowing it up in a cockpit of an X-Wing. Mm. Uh, so that's one of the elements that I think makes it dangerous, um, is that you gotta do, you know, the characters have to get out of their X-Wings or their, their ships and do other things. Um, so it's effective for the story, but it's also effective, you know, as a yeah. weapon. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think, Emily? 
Well, I mean, it's definitely a challenging time in the New Republic era. It is kind of surprising that this is, it lands in the middle of an X-Wing series because it is Mm -hmm. not very heavy on combat. It's mostly just the trial of Cornhorn and like, and then a New Republic battling to fight a global pandemic that is straight up genocide and trying to battle misinformation and subterfuge. And uh, I mean, it's, it kind of, envelops several different layers of warfare. There's psychological warfare of yep. like instilling fear in the entire planet of Coruscant and the galaxy of like who is going to be in charge, like who has the cure? What is the cure? How can it, how can we get help? Yeah. And then, so that's the psychological component. And then there's also the biological component. I mean, it's a legitimate virus that can be spread and cannot, yep. as we know it, be stopped. So how do you handle mm-hmm. the biological warfare agent? So, um, I mean, it's it's very complex. But I, I was a little bit surprised that this landed in an X-Wing book. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, uh, you know, the the one thing about the book, and, and I see the notes here in the show notes, and, and it's very true. They're, the the trial, mm-hmm. the whole Kratos plot, and Corin's, Corin breaking out of prison, uh-huh. All of those are very seamless mm-hmm. and, and they just, you know, there's no, it almost seems like it, it ends where it needs to. Then you start into the next section, right? Just like it, it's perfectly yeah. written that way. It works. And for it sure. does. It really does work. And, and it, it really gets you to the, the 14th read of this book. I feel like, <laughs> I don't even know how many times I've read it, but it feels like 14 times, <laughs> but it feels like there's so much that is unsaid in this book because they don't they don't specify it until the very end but it's the the amount of counter intelligence and intelligence operations that are happening mm-hmm. behind the scenes you know the, that we yeah. don't even see in this book which which is all was it dairy coat no sorry that's that's, that's the, the wrong. general who made yeah. the virus yeah that's the general mm-hmm. um i'm trying to think of pash pash kraken Kraken, uh, Kraken Senior. <laughs> I think it's Kraken yeah. Senior. Kraken mm-hmm. Senior. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Kraken Senior, <laughs> not Kraken Junior, who's in Rogue Squadron. Uh, <laughs> and they have they have uh, Irish accents in the book, which is uh, yep. enlightening. I like it. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you know, it's it's like oh, this <laughs> is typical Lissard in her typical game. It's like all this destruction and death just for a a game <laughs> you know it's and kind it's of terrifying insane. yeah like <laughs> i feel like in most situations military leaders are trained because they're really good at striking military targets and not yeah. civilian targets and yeah. all isar does basically is target civilians so i'm kind of surprised that she made it up as high as she did um it, i don't know that lets me question a lot of the empire's like education I don't know. Like, how does a woman like this get that high up in, like, yeah. the good empire? You know? Because, like, there was a time when the empire was good and then it twisted and became bad. I mean, like, the root of it was was bad. But there was a lot – there were a lot of really good elements about it. So I'm just curious yeah. how a woman like Isard got into the place that she is. Well, the the empire is evil. <laughs> yeah, for right? sure. Right? I mean, it was run by a Sith. And – and, you know, you can sit on the Sith side and say, well, how is that evil? And then you read Bane on what a true Sith is. And 
it's no remorse for any it's it's basically uh, a bit a bit psychopathic i would say uh like it, it reminds me of what is it no country for old men uh i can't remember his name off the top of my head but that actor uh you know no no no, no care for uh, for for life uh, it doesn't matter but also yeah. the whole genocidal factor right like smart smart to to pit people yes. against each other it is because that, that's it, it's so simple you just do something and you don't even have to get involved you let them fight amongst themselves oh. Uh-huh. Which is a virus in itself, <laughs> right? <Ooh. laughs> so true. So, uh, the whole genocidal thing is is very interesting because you know the anti speciesism uh, in the empire is pretty intense, and on the other hand, you've got the uh, new republic trying to. <laughs> I'm not sure what's Re- going on here, the but world. <laughs> I, I Why can't are read you to laughing? hear it. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Is, uh, as my we, brain just just caught up i'll i'll okay quick, we'll quick we'll joke. we'll get back to you hopefully you can make it funny for the rest of the class okay do you want me to share it now or just wait go ahead man go ahead yeah. okay. <laughs> i was still thinking about what emily was saying a minute ago about um you know what happened to the empire it used to be this this great great force for good kind of thing and i was thinking about we should have a campaign uh, make the empire great again, and it's mega. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I'm mega. Just what? On. I'm just move on. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing. Uh, I probably should have just stayed in my mega? head. Mega. <laughs> oh my That's gosh. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll uh, move on. Just move we'll on. Go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one, Rick. It's a good oh. one. Oh uh, my goodness. Very memeable there. It's uh, memeable. So. You know, the, the Empire is very anti-speciesism. At, at least in the book, we get a sense of, uh, you know, the the humans do the decision-making and the embrace to, you know, the embrace for the species tends to be for the species that are kind of intense, you know, like uh, very hunter, hunter and warlike soldiers. You know, they're used for their purposes. They're, they're not used for their brain. If they use them for their brain... They have to make, you know, the empire would have to make them weak by by something. Uh, in my opinion, that's that's how it is. Uh, but what is your view on the anti-speciesism in in the empire, uh, the embrace in the new republic, and how does that how does that play out in this book? Because it's it's pretty intense. Let's go with Rick hmm. and Emily. Doesn't matter. Whoever <laughs> wants to go first. <laughs> I'm still gathering my thoughts, Emil, if you got something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. So you have the Empire is definitely anti-non-human species. So they're very pro-human, mainly because of the Empire's, the Emperor's prejudice, right? Um, and the New Republic kind of got a lot of fighters and a lot of soldiers from non-humans. Uh, so that was, it's it's a very interesting tactic that, I started specifically targeted non-humans because that was the New Republic, basically. Like, humans yeah. are the privileged in the Empire um, for the most part. And so um, it is interesting. I wonder why I started targeted the non-humans. Hmm. I, know that, I know that she she thinks yeah. like several layers deep. So why? what are all of the reasons you think that she targeted specifically non-humans? 
Well, I think one is look at the council itself, right? Mm. There's some Mon Calamarians, uh, yeah. Bothans, who are not affected, I think. I think they're also uh, being, you know, I think the Bothans play the the gray line of they're, they've probably got fingers in every pie and the Empire mm-hmm. is one of them. <laughs> uh, but it it's a tough one i mean i think it it it's you've got some very interesting people at uh, and i think it comes down to the difference right the empire does not like different they like conformity mm-hmm. and that's one thing that's a, that's one that i i guess you could say but then also the second part which is uh going back to the council you you do have some people and they're, and they're spraying back to mist inside of the council chamber or wherever they're wherever they're uh, adjourning or wherever they they hang out uh th- those senators i guess i don't know what are we calling them the council the high council i don't the know provisional council i think the provisional council okay yeah, I think so the provisional council uh, you know imagine a couple of them getting wiped out you know then what does that really do yeah. to the new republic that creates that creates chaos it definitely yeah. specifically then, targets the new republic yeah. Because uh, mm-hmm. there are really there aren't very many non-humans in the empire. What's what's left They're of it? They're mixed all throughout. Everyone yeah. has like an equal an equal chance at whatever position. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's spread evenly, I guess. Well, I think also it uh, it exacerbates the the question of is the new republic better than the empire? And mm-hmm. so I think um, what's her face, Izard, she she targets the civilians because she wants them to question whether or not the new Republic's any better because with the empire, it might've been, you know, uh, speciesist and chauvinistic too, by the way, because like, um, most of the admiralty were, were, were men, oh, yeah. uh, human male. And so, um, a lot of factors there. So like, that's why like Izard and, um, Dal- Dahlia are kind of, hidden somewhere else you know maybe that's just retconning it in the lore but i don't mm-hmm. know anyway um so yeah she she's targeting the civilians and getting them to to question their allegiance to the new republic and making it where uh like you said freddie it's it's like a, a mental game virus as much as it is a yeah. physical virus mm-hmm. you know they um loyalties and and motives everything is is up for for debate now you know does the human do the humans who are on the provisional council or whatever are they really you know do they have a hand in all of this are they trying to to actually be against some of these species out there and really trying to maintain the control that the empire held or is this really truly you know an even playing ground so it it opens up the can of worms of of all those questions being discussed so it just breeds chaos and breeds mm-hmm. um you know it it takes some takes more control away um yeah okay i like that yeah uh, and and this book definitely pits a lot of different things together right there's uh, a lot of political play uh there's the virus itself right the partisan politics that are happening the virus the misinformation uh of uh, what what the the citizens 
are thinking are are happening to you know the people with the Kratos. They think they're just taking them to camps and like exterminating them, so they don't want to get mm-hmm. help, right? And then uh, of course we have all the star destroyers that are hidden in the planet, <laughs> which is kind of terrifying. Super Seriously. star destroyers. Like it's super, not just yes. any that... bit of Star Destroyers, which are massive. It's city-size yeah. Super Star Destroyers. It, Rick, you should try to see if you can look up some some facts there on the uh, on what a Super Star Destroyer looks like. And then, yeah, of course, I'd actually be really interested in that. I didn't catch that it was a yeah. Super Star Destroyer. We have Corrin Horn's ego as a danger oh in this whole oh, thing. Oh, man. Gotta look we out. Know that e- <laughs> we know that ego can cause a lot of unfortunate stuff. <laughs> So what do you think were the most dangerous forces or the most dangerous force in this Kratos trap book here? Hmm. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Out of all of the things that happened, there was not just the virus, there's the politics, there's there's a lot. I mean, they're pit, uh, they're they're being pit against each other, the republics being pit against uh the fighters, right? The soldiers and stuff. They want to go do their own thing and there's yeah. a lot of rebellion happening within the rebellion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think... So what, would that, you, what do you guys think? Yeah, go ahead, Emily. Oh, well, I think for sure it's uh, misinformation, I think, is the most dangerous because an idea can take root and spread. Uh, you can contain a virus for the most part. It's difficult, but it can be ultimately contained. An idea that the New Republic can't protect you any more than the Empire could have that is dangerous and that could take down everything that can take down governments and um, propaganda. Yeah. yeah, it's propaganda. So, yeah, I think that that ultimately is the most, but followed very closely by the Kratos virus because, oh, my goodness. Like, can you imagine being in like yeah. the the brainstorming meeting where they were like, hey, let's create this fictional virus. And like, by the way, it's only going to target non-human species and it's going to melt them from the inside. Like, <laughs> Yeah. That what? That's insane. Mm-hmm. Terrible. What about you, Rick? That's a good. Um, so I'm looking up Star Destroyer specs, but I can, yeah. I can talk at the same time. So um, <clears throat> I think the meeting point between the political and the the physical, the medical, is the containment of Bacta. Mm. Uh, and so um, you know, Bacta is the cure. It's the way to to process and get this virus out of these uh people's bodies but it's a substance that is controlled by different factions species whatever and it's now become politicized and Mm -hmm. so that to me is a dangerous force that um you know it's a physical need but now it holds political power and military power because that's like the only action in the book is fighting over back to shipment you know Mm um so um I, for me, it all comes down to the Bacta, which I think is logistics. Yeah, logistics. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the name of the? What's the next book? Uh, oh, the next book question. is the Bacta War, I believe. So there we ah. go. Uh, yeah. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Foreshadowing. Yeah. So that's the thing, right? It, battles are won not by you know how many people have been killed in action. It's really. Uh, the logistics the logistics as everything in in war so being able to create chaos amongst every single thing be it the high council has its own chaos you know i'm pretty sure that that uh hold on i gotta look at my my uh dramatis personae 
let's see here. Oh, I, w- I think it was right, though, by the way. Lieutenant Pash Kraken. He's, I was right on that one. So let me see. What, who, who am I looking for here? I'm looking for the uh, Bothan that we... Oh, Borsk, of course. Oh, my gosh. This Borsk dude. Falia. Borsk Falia. What is the The guy you love to hate. <laughs> yeah. Like, what I is would snake? say... And, and, you know, it's a very... Uh, she's playing on him, too. So I feel like the politics... She's playing with every single thing that she can. And it's it's genius, honestly, that that she managed to hide the whole superstar destroyer in Coruscant. I mean, imagine you're you're in a city. Pick your favorite city. Uh and you know, let's go with Boise. I don't know. Uh and you're you're living in Boise, hanging out, and then you decide to go hiking, and then you just see the whole downtown area just start to to lift up from the ground and then from there you saw it keeps going and now there's more ground right because i'm sure this thing's huge it's a city size and yeah. it's i don't know how many kilometers rick if you've got that yet it's it's eight thousand meters which is about five miles <laughs> are you serious yeah. right now it's crazy big yeah i started imperial <laughs> five imperial class miles? star destroyer was 1600 meters and a super star destroyer is eight thousand meters, so oh yeah, almost gosh. five miles. It's so imagine five city. miles of not just straight, right? Not just straight. We're talking. Ooh, look at me going crazy here. We're talking like the wedge cheese, cheese coming up from the yeah. ground. Not right? wedge Antilles. Wedge but... Antilles just coming up from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've got this massive thing coming up from under the ground, and it's like, okay, we were dealing with. A, a virus <laughs> we were dealing with these partisan politics that we're all playing at this moment we're dealing with the propaganda the terrorism mm. right and now we've got a humongous uh thing coming up from the ground which in my opinion that was actually the weakness because once mm. that happened it was like hey look everyone see we told you the empire is here messing things up that kind of changes the whole thing like the propaganda machine can work in our fit right in their favor if she had stayed there, she could have seen probably the end of the <laughs> the Republic. <laughs> Seriously. In my yeah. opinion. Right? Yeah, or like so... take like an escape pod, man. Like don't just bring your whole friggin' superstar destroyer yeah. up. Like, I don't know. That that was a bold move. That's another thing I would have loved to be in the brainstorming meeting when the author was like, okay, <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> yeah, We're going to place yeah. the superstar destroyer in the crust of Coruscant. And no one is going to remember that it's there. No one. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was cool. I can't remember what book is it where um, was it 3PO and the solo children are like on the, the base level of Coruscant. And oh, yeah. Like the machines are like rebuilding the city around them. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Uh, was that Heir to the Empire or that trilogy? Yeah. Um. Oh my goodness! I don't, I, think I don't know so. why I'm I'm blanking on that. It's okay. it's uh, we've anyway, definitely reviewed now. that, right? Okay. I I even made yeah. a joke today to Stephen. Stephen, if you're listening, Stephen Jedi Smith. Academy. Jedi. Okay, thank you. Jedi. Okay, Jared Jedi Academy. Like there you go. Here thank in you, the Jared. chat. He's here yeah. for yeah. us. Yeah, Jared and Skuma uh, got us here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're C3PO. He's the nanny. Doesn't want to be, but he is. Right. <laughs> yep. That's right. Yeah. But yep. my my point bringing that up is, you know, the city it changes. Yeah. All the time. And so I can see how it's possible that 
people just forget that there's a superstar destroyer there. Anything is and possible with logistics. That's right. Man, that'll preach. Uh, says, <laughs> says the engineer. Um, but uh, yeah, no. I, what was I going to say? Um, I, I, Emily, you mentioned it'd be fun to be part of the conversation that's, that's like, what can we put in this book? And they're like, superstar destroyer. But it's in the planet. Like, that's cool. That's but and there's I a love, virus. <laughs> I, yeah, and there's a virus. I love how well they thought through, like, the physics of having a superstar super yeah. destroyer in the planet. Like, they had the cradle that they had to build to lift it out of orbit because it's such a massive ship. It was never designed to be in yeah. a planet's atmosphere. And so they thought through, okay, how are we going to lift it out? And then the whole gravity thing about how the ship is so large, it generates its own like gravitation. Uh, that was good, you know. That's that's what I'm here for in sci-fi. That's legit. Uh, yeah, all those little little details. And how so did Cornhorn cool. figure that out in like a couple days or like a week? So that's like, a good it was question. not long. Yeah, that's mm. a good question. When did you start to figure out that it was a superstar destroyer? Because <laughs> that's a, you know. I didn't know until until it, it came out, and I was like, oh, Same. man. <laughs> Same. I was like, man, we just really didn't know about that at all. <laughs> like, um, what's What was the uh, – okay. Uh, I think it was in the Crimson Empire comics. Um, we – spoiler for at some point. I don't know when, but um, – at some point, the New Republic captures the Lusankia, and mm-hmm. at the in the Crimson Empire comic, I think uh, the the recaptured Lusankia appears, and so it mentions real quick in the comic that yeah, this Super Star Destroyer used to belong to um, Izard and the Empire, but now it's ours. Blah 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 blah. It has a big New Republic crest on it, and so in my mind, I've been hanging on to that because I knew that. Um, Isard and the Lusankia was this terrifying super star destroyer. Oh. And so I I knew that it was a super star destroyer that he was on the well, whole time. Look at you. I but I didn't I totally forgot that it was on Coruscant. <laughs> okay. So I kept I was like, what planet are they in? I don't know, Corin. You better figure this out because I don't know. And then it's like, <laughs> what? You're on Coruscant? And like you that can was my brain pretty crazy. Yeah, it was yeah cool. he just like pops over like it's nothing. Just walks. He literally walks yeah. from the Star Destroyer to the courtroom. Like I was like, how is he going to make it to t- in time? They're going to kill Tycho. Yeah. I know the well, timing. Fun fact about the Lusankia: it's after it's named after the Lubyanka, Lubyanka, which is an infamous KGB prison in really? Russia. Really? Yeah. I mean, there were signs. I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there were. <laughs> There's very That's few true. examples of like straight up cruelty <laughs> in this world not- that haven't come from Russia. <laughs> anyway, knock, knock. Um, yeah, knock knock. Who's there? Who's there? KGB. KGB. KGB who? We will ask the questions. <laughs> <laughs> you can use that one next time on at one of your jokes, Emily. See if it works. Ah, <laughs> uh, apparently Bring that's what I've been back. missing. <laughs> knock knock jokes. <laughs> Um, no, but so I loved the part of Lusankia where like there's a line that tells like it helps the guards to know where down is like that is so brilliant. Yes, that too. Yeah. I remember like I was like, that is just that blew my mind. And and you know what? Skuma Joe in the chat and I I remember this. I actually recall this. It's 
uh, when when Wedge, I believe it's when Wedge, yeah, when Wedge becomes a general, he actually gets the Lusankia as his as mm. his commanding ship. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. That is. Exciting. I didn't know the any gift of, of his enemy. <laughs> Yeah. So this was put... very surprising for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should have known from uh, Crimson Empire, but I just I kind of zone out on ships. I don't pay as close attention to them. <gasps> I know, which is why I love talking to you guys because you love ships. It's like oh yeah, the beauty of Star Wars is there's something for everybody. I would say, you know how there's mm-hmm. there are fans of airplanes, right? They just love airplanes. Mm-hmm. I would say. Those are the exact same people that love the ships of <laughs> of Star Wars. Like me, I love airplanes. Rick loves airplanes. Yeah. Carl, Andrew Bell loves airplanes. And we all love X-Wing fighters, uh, TIE Interceptors, Lusankia. We love the Lusankia. You know, I never thought about that there are just people that love airplanes. I remember we, wa- oh, we yeah. flew into D.C. to visit my in-laws <laughs> and like they literally took us to like across the street from the airport and we... We literally watched airplanes land for like half an hour. And I just kept looking around yeah. like, is is this an activity that we're doing right now? Like, are we just like here? <laughs> we're just here to watch airplanes land. Because like yeah. I just view it as like, okay, yeah. So that's a vehicle that takes me cool places. And that's kind of how I read the books too is I like kind of skim <laughs> over so like funny. the vehicle stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Get me to the people. The people well, are the interesting are- part to me. Listen, the ships are characters too, okay? They are. But, I mean, but clearly, I your opinion. this ship yes. is insane. I'm going to have to start paying closer attention, man. <laughs> so we've Crazy. got, we've got okay, Borsk, Borskphalia. All right. Oh, my gosh. I just talked about Borsk. He's, he's, dis, he's despicable. Can we, all, mm-hmm. can we all agree to that? Despicable. Why is, why is he so despicable? <laughs> what does he do? Because he does a lot, and, and it's very crooked. It's very... Uh, what would you say? There's a lot of self righteousness in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emily, go ahead. You're you're good at analyzing characters. <laughs> well, it's he's a tough one. So he has it out for Akbar, which is bizarre to me that like that's specifically the guy that he's gunning for. But he's got all sorts of things lined up to make Akbar fail. He's also playing a part in the back doors. I think we see a lot of him in uh, the fourth book. Of the series, uh, I, that's a theory. I don't know that. I haven't read it yet. But um, let's see. He's kind of. It's sort of like he's playing both sides. Like he, he's definitely power grabbing in the New Republic. Definitely undermining leaders to put himself and other Bothans in a higher power. Um, help me out a little bit though, because I, it's been a week or two. So um, yeah, he's just very. He's very. He's slimy. Yeah, he, he's slimy. He's very sly. He's very. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word self self gratifying, right? He he tries. Yes. He's trying to do. He's trying to to do stuff for him and his people without. Mm-hmm. Really, I, I would say he he would work on on the imperial side, and I feel like he's on the republic because he knows they're going to win. <laughs> yes, well, that's the thing is they've got hands in both sides, and so it's yeah. like. They, Ooh, it's way. sort of like they yeah. kind of shift with whoever happens to be in power. Well, and yeah. they would never let him have leadership because they were so mm-hmm. anti-specious that that wasn't even an option. And so this is his only True. chance for power um, now. But yeah, maybe his um, his motivations are off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And what is it? He tries to turn one of the Rogue Squadron pilots. What is her name again? It's not not a Reese, uh, but it's like another one that has an, a Y and an let's S get in back. it. Let's get back in here. Let's go look. The one that's dating book. Gavin. No, no, that's not. Yeah, the one that's dating Gavin, that is Asir Sailar. That's yeah. it. Asir. Yeah, yes. So he like has a secret meeting with her that tries to get her to turn on the rest of Rogue Squadron, basically. And she doesn't in the end, which is super noble and a little unexpected for her character, I have to say. I'm a little bit surprised that she stuck with Rogue Squadron. Uh, mad respect. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so he, he he like tries, he's like got it in for Rogue Squadron too, which is so strange. Like why why would that be a target for him? Hmm. Totally. Yeah, he's uh, very self-gratifying. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's very despicable. He's, you love to hate him. I think uh, Jared said it in the chat. Borsk is the worst. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jared. We miss you, so, man. <laughs> yeah, we do. We definitely miss you. We definitely <laughs> miss you. Uh, let's see here. I love the way that, that Jared... So even though his voice is gone, his... His uh, voice he's is in the notes. Still very present. He's still in the. He's in the notes <laughs> in the show notes here, and I'm going to read it just like he wrote it here. We would be remiss. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> if we didn't mention the brand new unabridged audiobook performance by Mark Thompson. Oh, ten out of ten in my opinion. Oh yeah. 100%. What is? Yeah, there he is. Look at look at Mark uh, Thompson. We got to gem. see him. Talk to him. Yeah, he is a gem. I was so excited. He came by the booth at Celebration for you audio listeners. This is a picture of him holding a lightsaber in his High Republic Jedi getup at the Utini booth at Celebration 2022. It was probably one of the most exciting moments of Jared's life. I know for most of the team, it was a very, it was a high point of the entire weekend. But yeah, love the guy. Does a great job. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, what, so what was your favorite? Did you listen to the audiobook, Emily? I'm assuming you did. I did. I did. Okay. What was your favorite part of his of his narration? Or I guess just the audiobook itself. The production was fantastic. Uh, I love what, the addition of like the audio tracks. I think it definitely heightens a sense of urgency when you're reading. And you know which parts are important because there's music playing. Um Sometimes it's harder to tell, but like you can tell when something is building up because the music starts to build up. Um, that's a good question. I hadn't really considered what my favorite part of the audio drama was. What are y'all? What are your favorite parts? I love the the names, the ones mm. that I didn't know how to say. That's a good point. Yeah. Excellent point. Yeah. Uh, that always helps me. Although you know, there's a whole thing with Ginge and uh, Zinge, yeah. you know, and. Uh, I wouldn't say that the audiobook gets it right all the time, right? Because we've got rankers. <laughs> we've got rankers everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say when when I listen to his voice and I listen to it carefully, because I, I admire voiceover work. I think it's fantastic. And to hear how he emphasizes his words and how when he emphasizes them, I'm sure he's got a lot of direction. There's a lot of you know crew telling him how and what to say. Uh, but... I would I would say his, his the way he reads the books the way he reads and of course if you put it to one one speed right it's very enunciated very clear concise you're gonna hear every single word but I just think the guy is an absolute artist 
when it comes to this stuff. I have no idea how else to explain it. <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll piggyback off that and um yeah, for me Mark Thompson is like the voice of Star Wars books. Um mm. because like I have so many memories of the different books and I can think about where I was when I'm listening, you know, all that kind of stuff and I know he doesn't do all of them, but he does a lot of them and he does them really mm -hmm. well. And um yeah, so I don't know. For me, it's just it's the familiarity and the comfort. But that's why I'm excited that these, uh, like we're going back and we're we're doing these just these legends books some justice and giving them unabridged recordings because they're great stories and now they're getting the production value they need. Um, so yeah, Mark Thompson did great as always. Mm. Um, he keeps it accessible with all the action, keeps it engaging. Like you guys said, the sound effects, the music, the, the different character voices, it's all just superb. Uh, another, it just highlights the story too, you know, like, um, it's not, not really surprising that the audiobook is great because it's a great story, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. all the factors come together and just make it really, really good. For yeah, sure. definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that, that was, I couldn't say it any better myself. You know the mm. the man the man's voice is 100% Star Wars books to me and yeah uh, you know just listening to to everything he says and and Emily having the audio tracks the production itself I'm so glad that that we are getting this level of attention for Legends books right I mean I Legends is fantastic I love Legends and and the fact mm -hmm. that we're getting these productions the books as well to collect <laughs> uh, and even to reread, you know, like these are coming out and I bet you there are people reading them who have, who have not picked up the essential legends collections or, or any legends books in a while. And not just that, you know, there, there are other people that, that pick these up who have no idea what star Wars is and maybe their first book is a legends book because of these. Mm. Uh, and, yeah. and you know, all of that. Yeah, I, exactly. All of that. Is, it brings, it brings joy to me. Uh, it no, it makes me feel like you know. I love talking about this stuff. I love reading this stuff. I was obsessed with the release schedules of all the books, and you know, at the time when when it wasn't a huge thing and Utini didn't exist, it was your own self who got yourself hyped up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and uh, you know, and, and there were there were things though, like for instance, Delray. They had a. I'll never forget this. Jared will remember this. They had a Star Wars action team. And this was like a a thing of like the 2000s and the 90s. Uh, it was very much like a a street a street team. Like they would get volunteers to basically be brand ambassadors, and uh, you would really? tweet about things. Yeah, you would tweet about things. You get points for it if you can prove it. Uh, you you write you rate the book in in any application, and you'd get points and you get free books because of it. But it, it was very 90s 2000s thing to like get people to basically do your marketing for you <laughs> mm. and and uh you know the, having mark thompson read the Krytos trap to me was fantastic i've read this book so many times i have multiple copies of these sitting around the house because i forget that i buy them and i just buy legends books whenever i see them <laughs> for you know i i don't have a list like everybody else i just buy them all the time and i'll just give them out for, as presents but uh, awesome. being able to hear the book was, you know, put, putting myself in the cockpit, hearing, hearing the the remorse in in Mark Thompson's voice when he talked about uh, Mirax being just absolutely mentally 
destroyed mm-hmm. by the fact that this person that she really cared about and we all know well some of us know what that feels like right that that love uh, and and you know the love of of a girlfriend boyfriend uh husband wife whatever uh, uh mom dad doesn't matter from anybody your friends losing that is really tough and i have never read it that way and having mark thompson speak it to me that way though it really like paints this picture in my head of mm. how sad and pissed off everybody is you know yes they got they got coruscant but no they they lost like they thought at least they thought they lost their best friend and their their the guy who always had their six if you will mm. so and there's so much loss in this book i mean there's there's corin yeah. who everybody thinks is dead and then um Ayala loses her husband at the end um where she gets him back at the beginning of the book and then it it turns out oh. that he's a sleeper agent and he she has to kill him in the end so it's just it's mm. such a torn book i mean there is loss all around where important yeah. characters uh die for good reasons and then some die for no good reason and it's just yeah. it really yeah. hurts to read um yeah. I, th- I feel like the author did a really great great job doing that but absolutely mm-hmm. yeah yeah the whole p- being a prisoner thing too and having to mentally stay in there and escape and seeing the other other prisoners and their mentality of do we risk trying to get out do we bide our time like what's what's the um cost benefit i guess you know yeah on all that um I think that this, you know, listening to the audiobook, and I, I know, and Scuba Joe in the chat has not listened to a Star Wars audiobook. I don't uh, Skuma, I recommend, <laughs> I recommend you you take a listen to a book uh, that you've read many times. Start with Rogue Squadron. Man, it's beautiful. All of them, you know, th- this one is fantastic as well. Um, you know, another another part in the book, for example, is. Uh, you know, let's go back to what you just talked about being in prison, Rick, you know, like the, Mm -hmm. the, the person in prison who's been there for how long was he there for 20 years, Jan? Uh, Uh, shouldn't have been 20, but it was since, since, you know, the war, like, I mean, the war's kind of still going, but like, um, how, how far are we after the battle of Yavin? We're timeline people on this. I know. We're fairly soon after. I mean, the New Republic just took Coruscant before that. Uh, it's seven, seven years. Is it? Is it seven okay. years? So, so General Jan Dodonna is who we're talking about. Um, he's in A New Hope. Yeah, uh, yeah. Skuma's pointing that out. Um, uh, and so it's been several years that he has been in prison by the Empire. Yeah, um, and so long enough that. You're not sure what to do, right? Jan mm-hmm. Donna, yeah. So that's the thing, right? It 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 um after this book, after this book, he it's like we need to go save my buddies. Yeah. <laughs> I was just there. There is no hope. Everyone has lost hope. They saw me escape and there there there's now hope probably permeating through them. And there's no way we're going to end this book you know, or end this series where we're at, we, we need to go save my buddies. And there was nothing before that. I felt it, but hearing Mark Thompson again, say it and, and mm-hmm. listening to that story and listening to their voices, right. Cause that's what he does. He, he does their voices as if they were mm-hmm. saying it. And, 
and listening to the hopelessness, you know, like don't keep your head down or, you know, keep your head down and don't do anything out of the ordinary or you're going to, uh-huh. <laughs> he, he gets hurt, right? Jan, the man mm-hmm. gets hurt. Uh, oh and... man. Hold up. Hold up. Go ahead. Okay. I want to see a Les Mis Lusanka ma- mashup. What? You, know? you just are saying to keep your head down. down. Look down. Look down. Look down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. That would be, be something. Yeah. Les Mis, yep. Star Wars edition. Star Wars Can edition. you hear the rebels sing, singing the songs of angry aliens? Okay, I sorry. want Mark Thompson to sing that. <laughs> that was amazing. Yes. Yes. That would be awesome. Well, I think we've hit a lot of our topics. Is there anything we're missing, Emily? Is there anything you want to talk about for the Pokritos oh, trap? Gosh. Last thoughts? Uh, just I'm last waiting. thoughts are like there is just more and more the more you dig. Yeah. I mean, it was such a complex and entertaining read. Like if you want to just mm-hmm. skim it, there's something for you. If you want to sit and really dive in and discuss, there's something there for you too. So highly recommend. This was a really engaging read. I keep waiting for Jared to make an appearance like Cornhorn at the end of his own you know, murder <laughs> trial. So, Jared, here's your chance. One more chance. Just Jared. pop on by. Upstage us. Yeah. Just we're so, keeping the camera on just in case. Just in case. Uh, just in case. We'll leave the light on for you. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was a commercial. Uh, what about you, Rick? Yeah, what are some last thoughts? Anybody else? Anything else we want to we should talk about? So I liked how this book, um, it closed some some loose ends. You know, it ties up the whole who's the spy, kind of, yeah. and is Tycho good or bad. Um, the whole, well, there's just a lot of character growth across the board of, of the squadron. But it's definitely a turning point, right? There's still more to the plot, but at the same time, it's kind of the end of, a, of an era. Um, or at least it's a, I don't know... Um, who who writes the next book? Back to War. Uh, let me see. That is Michael Stackpole. Okay. So we Did still he write the a... whole series? No, he wrote like the first four or five. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm so not sure. We... Number six that stands in my head, but it could be okay. four or five. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I can't recall right now. But it's definitely a turning point in the story. I feel. Um, but I haven't read yet beyond here, so I'm excited to see what's next. Um. I I decided that because of the race to the finish, I don't think I'm going to wait for the audiobook. I'm just yeah. going to start reading the next one. It's been driving me nuts because they're going too slow for me. Um <laughs> but I'm glad that we're getting them. So, yes. Uh, I'm just 100%. ready to keep going. So we do got uh we have a uh, Race Squadron which was released in 1998 and that was by Aaron Alston. Uh and then Iron Fist after that too in the in the same year. So cool. I think it's the first four by Stackpole, and then we've got Stackpole does come back though uh, on mm-hmm. on Icerd's Revenge, and that was released okay. in 1999. And then we've got you know some more Starfighters of Audumar, cool. which is written by uh, Aaron Alston as well. So it looks like they go back and forth, but okay. Story, these books are fantastic. (laughs) Every single time I finish one, I want to pick up the next one. And I'm glad I don't have to remember what it was like when they first came out. Because, you know, just having to wait a couple years or a year to get the newest release of of X-Wing was always always a treat. That's for sure. 
So yeah. uh, that's that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time to be a Legends fan because don't you <laughs> hate out. waiting for that net but next book to come out? Yeah, you don't all. have to. Yeah, there you go. If you want a new exactly. cover? You just have to wait a couple months. They're just like racking them up. Yeah, back yeah. to back to back. Awesome. Well, uh, let's see. I think we've got some some show plugs here. Uh, Emily, what are we doing next week? Or yeah, next the next episode of Legends Look Back. So it. Football season is back, y'all. The next episode of Legends Look Back, which is going to be Thursday, September 15th, is the Sith Lords Draft Legends Edition. So come with your top draft picks. We are going to be talking all things Sith. Cristiano Ronaldo. What does that mean? Different football. Yeah. Wrong football. I was thinking that it's almost hockey season. That's the only sport I care about. So. Oh, geez. I tried doing hockey fantasy, and it's just like that is just a different different thing. That is nowhere Uh, near easy. I mean, I can do any other sport. Oh, my gosh. Totally different. Uh, Rick, what do we have uh, coming up here on Star Wars Archives? Okay. So shout out to Star Wars Archives. Um, it's a really, really fun show, uh, and they are three Sundays away. So September 25th, uh, three Sundays away from releasing episode 50. Woo woo. Uh, and so that's going to be a Patreon exclusive. There's not going to be a public public release for this show. Episode 49 drops this coming Sunday and the excitement for this Really cool uh, milestone has been building up for it. So if you're not a patron, um, this is your chance. Get on that Patreon um, list membership. That's the one. And be (laughs) ready for episode 50. Um, Yes. Yeah, that's going to be good. Yeah, and for those of you that don't know what Star Wars Archives is, it's like our deep dive show. So if you love like really obscure facts about Star Wars or – uh, you really like uh, what is it Welsh accents? <laughs> um, then you want you want Star Wars archives. It is a currently yeah. a Patreon exclusive show, but man, is it worth it! It is so nice. entertaining. Uh, two of our teammates, Trevor and uh, was it Joxie? Is that his? Um... Anyway, <laughs> uh, um, Jose, yeah, Joxie. yeah, Jose. <laughs> Jared always refers to him as Joxie, so I'm not really sure <laughs> yeah, if he's he like a Jose or a Joxie. I'm not really sure. Um, anyway, it's an excellent show. It is. I'm a huge fan of it. If there's one thing on the Utini network that I would listen to continuously, uh, and I couldn't listen to my show, because I, I love listening to the old stuff, because I remember, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> when I reread books and I and I forget about it, it's always fun to go back and listen to to our episodes. I love it. Uh, but But Star Wars Archives, it just, they hit it out of the park every single time. I would say every time we get Trevor on the show too to just give us a flavor of what that Star Wars archives is, Ooh, uh, yeah. it really gets it really gets the views if you know what I mean. Like the, mm. the Death Star plans. Hey, let's talk about the Death Star and everything we need to know about it. That's what you can get at Star Wars archives. Mm-hmm. Definitely good show. Yeah. Well, good that show. does it. <laughs> good show. Um, <laughs> rest in peace, by the way, uh, the yes. Queen of England. Yes. Um, but yeah, that does it this week. Uh, thanks for joining us on Legends Look Back. Uh, thanks to our incredible patrons for your support. We love making this show, and we are glad you're along for the ride. And a special thanks to our Jedi High Council, Brian Dooley, Earl Q, Robert Thomas, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander. 
Uh, and we've got the Alliance High Command, Elizabeth Cloutier and Sally and Chris Eilerson. Uh, remember to sub to the channel and leave us a review in your podcast platform of choice. Uh, we want your thoughts right on the show. Uh, you can always contact us. Uh, you can find our information in the description. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Legends Look Back. Uh, if you're looking to buy some of these books and want help support the show, uh, look up your book on Utini and click the Amazon link and uh, hit that thing. Go buy it. We all profit from it. We get to make some cool content. Uh, we don't have to spend all of our own money anymore. <laughs> and, and of course, you can always find me at Wake Up Freddy and Emily. At Darth Daybeck. And Rick. At Rick underscore Grace. And I'm pretty sure Jared is at Jared Q Maze or at Salacious Crumb, one of the two. And uh, remember to keep the Utini fan code and be a force for positivity in the fandom. May the force be with you. <laughs> this is a Utini broadcast.